Welcome to Answers That Count. If you own a business, you can count on us to give you the answers you need to succeed in all aspects of your business. And now, here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Hello, welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Answers That Count. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to this uh, recording that we do at least once a week. And heck, we are, if you notice something different, we're in a different studio today. We are in, make sure I get this right, we're at 38 TV Studio and we're in Studio A. I'm going to call it Studio A for answers that count. So we're out there at, uh, we're out here at the 98 Distillery. So we're in the 38 Territory in uh, near Destin, Florida. So we are over where the be- beaches are beautiful, the sun is great, and it's great to be over here. So uh, anyway, this is Answers That Count, and we are over at Studio A for Answers That Count with 38 TV. And you know where to find us. We are, we've got, if you notice on our video now, we have uh, an addition to that. At the bottom of our screen, we have the other places that we're at. We're on Amazon Fire TV. We're at Roku TV. And uh, you know we're on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube now, leave us some comments. Leave us some notes, uh, questions, or just uh, just some comments down in the box below. So we'll respond to that, and we appreciate you watching us. And you know where, where you can always find us on all the podcast channels that you're used to. Apple Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, we're on all those, Spotify. So just whatever your favorite channel is, uh, your platform, we're going to be there. Look for answers that count. And we try, you know what we try to do. We try to bring those nuggets of knowledge every week to uh, the viewing audience and the listening audience. So, again, we have another great show lined up today. We have our welcoming back guest, Professor Joe Calhoun from FSU. Professor Joe, thank you for joining us again. Well, thanks. Always great to be with you. Go Knowles. We got a big football game this weekend, so hoping for a win on the gridiron. Absolutely. We had a we had a rough start and we're recording this on Friday, September 24th or actually September 25th. So this is the day before Florida State plays a rival game down at the University of Miami and we are the away team this this year and by the time you're watching this, the outcome will be known. So uh, we're enthusiastic about the outcome right now. So if it turns out the other way, we did all we could to cheer them on and we've got a I think we're going to have a coach in the box. So I understand that that our coach, our head coach, is uh, he was he was diagnosed with the uh, COVID nineteen, and I don't think I think he was asymptomatic, but he did test positive. So they've got him in the box. He'll be I guess he'll be coaching from Zoom. This may be the first time we see a, a, co- a national college team being coached from from a Zoom channel. So we'll check out and see how that works out. Yeah, interesting times that we're living in. Interesting times. It's uh, 2020. It's the this is the the longest decade of, that we've experienced this year so far. So we're getting near the end, and uh, I think we're going to turn our clocks back very soon. So is that this weekend or the next weekend? You know, I I I, I don't remember. I don't think it's this weekend. I think it's next weekend. So we're going to add one more hour to this year. So uh, everybody needs to be prepared for that. So. Buckle up when you add that hour. So, anyway, we are we're going to talk economics, but before we jump into that, let's take a, a a peruse through some of the articles of this week. And it's uh, it has a some of these articles really have an impact to some of our recent podcasts that we've done. This is uh, this is one that I believe it was last week's podcast where we talked about the cash for clunkers that was done uh, about ten years. When was that done? Back in 08? 
time period? Uh, that was a result of the uh, Great Recession. So that would have been uh, 2009, 2010 in that era. Right. So if you recall, they did the the government did the cash for clunkers where they were trying to stimulate new car purchases. So that had the unintended consequences of really debilitating the used car market because it was in order to qualify for that, you had to destroy and render useless the used car. So it was uh, really made a had a premium on the used car market. And what the effect of that was it probably damaged the people that could uh, least afford a new car and it made the used cars more expensive because the people that are more wealthy and able to buy cars anyway they just either they probably hurried up their purchase and made a purchase of a new car yeah so it, it did two things one it just moved future consumption up a couple of years now that's arguably a good thing but in the grand scheme of things over a longer period of time it didn't add to sales it just moved them from one time period to another the more negative consequence was, as you said, the used car market had fewer used cars available. And when you have a market with less available, the price is going to get pushed up. And who typically buys used cars? People at the lower end of the economic uh, ladder. And they were harmed by that policy. And people at the upper end of the economic ladder really weren't impacted and maybe even were benefited from that. Yeah, interesting. So, this is, uh, this is a headline, I think, from yesterday's paper. This is uh, from the great state of California or the Republic of California, where it says, Newsom orders 2035 phase out of gas-powered vehicles, calls for a fracking ban. Man, that Joe, this seems like a, just a repeat where government has tried to intervene in normal commerce, and you can only imagine what the unintended cons- consequences are going to be. Yeah. So in a typical market setting, producers only make what consumers want to buy. And then they reach an equilibrium price and quantity such that the market clears or everything settles, what we also call equilibrium. And here, what you have is the very heavy hand of government saying, consumers, I I don't care what you like or what you don't like. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to allow. And I'm only going to allow electric vehicles or non-gas Uh, but we all know that means electric vehicles to be sold. So even if you want a gas powered, I, the government, and telling you, you can't have that. Now, today we've got about 4% of automobile uh, manufacturing is for electric cars. That means 96% is gas powered. And the only reason that the car manufacturers are doing that is because 96% of the people want a gas powered car. Well, now California says, well, that doesn't matter. I'm telling you what you can and can't do. So I can think of immediate uh, consequences that that are going to happen. Number one, if I'm a car dealership, I'm going to line up just outside the California border and I'm going to sell cars to people in California who still want to buy and own a gas power car. They can't buy it in California. So I'm going to set up my shop just one mile on the other side of the border. Come on over. I'll sell you a car and then you drive it back home. Because the law doesn't prevent you from driving a car, it just prevents me, the, the manufacturer, from selling a car in California. Yeah. So that's the first thing that's going to happen. You're, you're just going to move production geographically. Instead right. of having a car sold in California, they're going to be sold in Arizona and maybe even farther places away. If I want a gas-powered car bad enough, I mean, I'll drive to Colorado. I'll, you know, I'll drive anywhere to, to get the car that I want and then just take it back home. And then we're also going to see a negative consequence in the used car market as well, because those prices are going to go up 
because we've distorted the price in the new car. Right. So you're, you're going to have a bunch of cascading effects here. Uh, and uh, so while it might be good intentioned, I mean, I certainly want uh, a less of a carbon footprint in my state and in my country and the world, uh, but we need to be very careful about weighing the costs and benefits. And it's not just the immediate costs and benefits, it's the long-term and it's the unintended costs and benefits that we need to factor in. Yeah, they. I think studies and have shown that people love their cars. They love their gas-powered cars and they love their big cars. So this is another example where, unfortunately, it looks like there's a lot of the the states are they're increasing taxes or they're making it more uncomfortable for the citizens to live. So what you're doing is you're having a uh, an exodus from those type of states. You saw where uh, Joe Rogan is. He left the state and went to Texas, which is uh, there's no no uh, state income tax there and in texas you saw where uh you've seen where other people are leaving states that are that are very well known that they're going from high tax states to low or no tax states so if you people are literally going to vote with their feet they are with their feet by picking up and they move across the border whether that's county i mean we do that within our states as well right i mean we're not happy with our city or our county but we like our state so we just move to the next city uh, but in America, since uh, we're all free to do this because we can cross state lines and still keep our American citizenship, that I can move from Florida to Texas or I can move from California. I can move wherever I want. And where I choose to go is going to be more aligned with the policies that I want to live under. Right. And I think that's when when the government officials, that's when they take notice is when their taxing base has changed or when they run into further economic distress caused by the exodus of their of their citizens and their tax base. Sure, sure. So we'll see what... They'll respond to people. I mean, if enough people leave, or maybe the opposite happens. Maybe this is such an appealing law that people actually move to California because they think it's so desirable. So we we can't discount that as well. Exactly. You might have people leave and people come in, but that's the beauty of our republic. That's the beauty of having different laws in different states that Americans can choose where they want to live and what kinds of rules that they want to live under. Right. And that's why the the way our government is set up is it pushes a lot of authority down to the to the state level. So you really have many incubators across the state so that you can see the effect of that. So you don't you don't uh, put in place a law that affects the whole federal all the states. You can kind of you can almost like you can test that in, in different states as they try different laws. Yes, yes. And that's one of the strongest aspects of our republic and and the way we've governed ourselves is we do have 50 states that can move somewhat independently of the federal government and we can try new things and we can figure out what works and what doesn't work and then we can learn from each other. Absolutely. There was another article that I saw this week and this also was in the, this is in the Wall Street Journal. The other was in the LA Times, I believe, is where John pulled that up. But this is this talks about the uh, this goes back to a show that we we had previously where we were discussing the effect of uh, COVID in the limited on campus students at Florida State University in Tallahassee and the effect that we thought would we would see to the economy here. And then I read this article. This is uh, this is actually talking about Virginia Tech, but you're going to see this in all the college towns where. People are now recognizing and they're feeling the economic effect of the limited students on campus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and no surprise that what Tallahassee is going through 
Uh, even though Tallahassee isn't quite the typical college town because we have state government here and we're the capital of Florida, uh, you know, but for a lot of reasons, we are a, a, a college town. And we're seeing this happen across the United States, uh, especially in those cities like Columbus, Ohio and Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, Big Ten universities uh, that just recently said, well, we changed our mind that, you know, they were going to cancel their football season, uh, but now they're going to put it back in. Uh, So I'm sure those towns are breathing a sigh of relief because even though it won't be normal, it'll be better than zero. Absolutely. Uh, We're seeing this. This is just a a great example of, of what we talked about last week. Um, something in the ACC, of course, with uh, our brothers up in, in, in Virginia Tech um, going through something very similar to what we're going through here. So it's a very familiar story. It is. There was uh, there's a couple of other uh, this is more on a federal basis, but the uh, the jobless claims that we're seeing, those are those are kind of holding holding steady. There's not a lot of improvement or worsening of that. And I'm, I'm wondering if if that's because of. We still have some of the larger states like New York that's still and they're pretty heavily locked down. I think California still has a lot of uh, they're pretty heavily into the the lockdown mode out there as well. So I think. Yeah, there's a lot of factors in play here. Uh, You know, if you look back historically, a couple of months before every major election, there's this increase in uncertainty. So. Every decision maker, whether you're a business decision maker or a consumer, that air of uncertainty is going to cause you to slow down a little bit. So this, this is a typical pattern under normal conditions. And of course, we're anything but normal. Uh, but I just want to remind people that, you know, a, a major election causes people to pause and not make too many plans for the future because they want to see what the result of the election is to see if there's going to be any major policy changes. So you do have a little bit of of that going on. But clearly, the biggest issue is recovering from the pandemic. And, uh, you know, how fast are these businesses opening up? And even if the business opens their door, it doesn't necessarily mean all their customers are going to come flooding back. So it's one thing for me to open my door and say, hey, I'm over here, come on back. But then you can't make consumers come back, you just have to hope and pray that they do. And again, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So even in Florida, as we're kind of rolling out some some different procedures for how we can open up, you know, going into phase two and uh, and allowing bars and lounges to open up, you know, we're not sure what the effect is. Right. So the business owner, I'm, I'm, I've got this wait and see approach before I hire somebody because I don't want to hire somebody and then a, a three weeks later lay them off and that'd be painful for everybody. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, variables in play this time of year and this year being the election year. I mean, this is an election year like no other that I can remember. So there's just a lot of uh, uncertainty going on. And you're going to see that in the stock market too, where there's a lot of up and down. So um, the last article that we'll touch on is the new aid package. So we're seeing um, the gap is kind of closing on that. So I see a lot of uh, buzz out there that people are talking about getting this this final aid package or this additional aid package. Uh, the Democrats are they've come down to two point four trillion. I think the the Republicans are there. Um, whatever that skinny bill was, they they proposed one point five trillion. So the gap is closing. And I think the president has, has stated that he wanted to see it a little bit richer than the one point five trillion. So they're getting close. I would expect to see something pass before November 3rd. So we're all, I think next week is kind of a, a big week. I believe they're scheduled to go on their 
their fall break the end of next week. But who knows what's going to happen with uh, with the Supreme Court uh, filling of that vacancy as well. Yeah, there's a lot of distractions right now. Obviously, the, the Supreme Court nominating process is going to be a major distraction. And, and maybe that's too big of a distraction to overcome any kind of aid package getting through. Uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see that come out. Uh, my only concern there is, you know, you know, we talk about a, a skinny bill. We talk about a, a low number of $1.5 trillion. That is still an insanely large amount of exactly. money. Exactly. Yeah. You know, my concern is we be, we become calloused to these truly immense numbers. I mean, we throw a trillion dollars around like it's a hundred dollar bill, and yeah. it's not. It's a it's a monumental stack of a hundred dollar bills, and and I think we need to kind of resensitize ourselves to exactly what is a trillion dollars. It's a big pile of money that has to be paid back. I mean, you're just not going to create it on a thin air. We're going to have to pay more taxes. In the future, we're going to have to service debt for a longer period of time and at a higher level. I mean, this is real money that we're talking about. And and, and I hope everybody appreciates that part of it uh, instead of just throwing around a trillion dollars and, and saying, well, that's too little and three trillion is too big. So let's just cut it in half. OK, well, two trillion, that, that's really big. Our entire economy on an annualized basis is 21 trillion. Right. So you're talking about a significant share of our economy here. This is not just some small package. Yeah, it's really scary. I mean, all the stuff that we've gone through in COVID uh, this year in 2020, and I think the desensitization of a trillion dollars. I mean, that that's just one of the one part of that that we that's that's the result of this shutdown. I mean, we've been so hypersensitive to the disease and the effects of the disease and the death that we've done so many things that we 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 normally would not do and the the spending is is one of those consequences that we hope we never have to relive but man we're going to be paying for this a long time yeah yeah we really are all right man i appreciate the update with uh what's in the news and how it relates to some of our our previous podcasts that's always interesting to to uh to me when we see the topics that we've discussed and how it plays out in in everyday uh the news that we see and just how we live our our life on a daily sure. basis I mean, economics is not just a bunch of theories that are stuck in a textbook and and we play uh in the classroom i mean this has relevance to our daily lives so i'm glad we can make that connection good deal we're going to jump into economic theory number 10 i want to get a time check from john john are we getting close to the the cutoff for the radio show. You're at 18 and a half minutes. All right, so we're good. We're gonna. Here's what we're gonna do, Joe. We're gonna tee this up, and we're gonna take a pause. Everybody watching this or listening on the podcast, hang tight as we take a little stoppage at about the 27 minute break, and then we'll we'll continue this into the post show. So today's uh, economic theory. I'm gonna read the name of this, and then let Joe do some uh, explaining. But this will make sense. Economic progress comes primarily through trade, investment, better ways of doing things, and sound economic institutions. So that sounds like a lot, but it's real simple. Yeah. Well, the first thing I want people to, to recognize is progress doesn't automatically happen. It's not like the economy is on autopilot and we are guaranteed or we are destined to have progress. If you look back at most of human history, Progress was not normal at all. For generations, people did the same thing in the same way, 
and living standards really didn't change for hundreds, perhaps thousands of years. And it's really only in the last few hundred years that we've seen this tremendous growth. Now, thankfully, we live in an age where growth does happen, progress does happen on a regular basis, but the downside there is we've, we've now taken it for granted because it happens so much. And I just need everybody to pause and, and just recognize it, it's not guaranteed. We, we have to make decisions as individuals and as, as groups and consistent with our government and our other leaders to make sure that we have the kinds of things in place so that we can continue to grow. Because if we do dumb things, we can actually bring progress to a halt and we can actually regress. So this whole thing could either be stopped or it could be shifted into reverse if we don't make good decisions. Now, beyond that, like you said, there's a recipe. So imagine you're a baker and you want to make this delicious cake. Well, you got to put things together in the right manner and in the right proportion in order to have that cake turn out really well. You know, if you've ever done any kind of baking, if you miss a massive ingredient, then you know what? That's going to be terrible, even if everything else was right. So think about it as as being a chef or a baker. We have to put the recipe together in the right way. And what are the major ingredients there? Well, you listed them off very nicely. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order. Let's talk a little bit about the institutions because that's a big word that sometimes scares people away. And the institutions come in two forms. They're the formal institutions, the the, uh, official laws and and regulations that come out of federal, state, and local government. And then you've got the informal institutions. You know, as they say, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. That's right. You know, you've got the, the local stuff. You know, what we do here in Tallahassee is totally different than the cultural and social norms in Miami which is totally different than what they go through in New York. So you need to factor those in as well. But the institutions, that's just a fancy word for, you know, what are the rules? Right. So So that's both the written rules as well as the institutions like the Federal Reserve. Yep, exactly. So if you and I are going to play a new board game uh, on on a Friday night, well, we want to know what the rules are. And, And the rules govern the decisions inside of that game. And in the economic game, the, the rules are set forth by government, but also set forth by just the, the normal social interactions that people have. Interesting. So what are some other examples of the formal um, the formal institutions that are in place? We mentioned the, the Federal Reserve. So you have the whole governmental structure, right? The, yeah, so the you House, have the Senate. Act the- laws are, are going to uh, change incentives and in decision-making. You've got monetary policy, which is done by the Federal Reserve. Uh, in our country, other countries, they, they have other names, but it's a centralized bank that controls the money supply. We call that monetary policy. Then we w- got what we call fiscal policy, which comes from uh, the legislature, uh, the federal level, Congress, and then at the state level, we, we've got different forms there. And they make up regulations. Uh, they make up things that we can and can't do. Uh, they set the judicial system into place. So those are the formal rules. Uh, and then you've got, just got societal norms uh, that, that govern behavior as well. Uh, so those are really important. Uh, but, but I want to circle back to, to the beginning one. We've talked about this a little bit earlier in terms of trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to imagine your life today and, and for the rest of the day w- without trading with anybody. Can't trade with anybody. And, and just pause and think about how miserable it would be at the end of the day if you weren't allowed to trade. 
so being in isolation is the fastest way to poverty and to a very low standard of living. Uh, so let's go back a, a, f- a few hundred years. Plus depression. Well, yeah. Or you just go back to, you know, a few hundred years ago at the beginning of our country when, you know, people literally had to do everything for themselves. Right. You know, they had to grow their own food. They had to make their own shelter. They had to provide for their own transportation. I mean, th- those were the kinds of standards of livings that, that we can't even connect with today. That no. just seems so terrible. And, and why do we have the kind of standard of living to, that we do today is because we trade with so many more people today. I mean, every day we trade with thousands of people. And the more we trade, the better off we are. The less we trade, the worse off we are. Yeah, from the clothes you wear, from picking up your cell phone to getting in your car. I mean, all those you've had to trade at some point to to purchase those. You didn't make your own car or your own cell phone or the towers or the pencil or the pen. I mean, all of that. So 300 years ago, people made their own clothes. They made their own food. They cooked their own food. They built their own house, cut the trees down. So you're exactly right. I mean, that's that's progress. And that's the way we have things today. And it's a high standard of living. Yes, absolutely. And we need to make sure that we keep institutions and rules in place that allow us to do more trade so that we continue this progress. Now, the other thing that's really important, and this has been one of the cornerstones of just American society and the American uh, psyche is the ability to try new things, entrepreneurship. You know, sometimes it sounds like a dumb idea. Oh, that'll never work. Well, it's amazing how many ideas that somebody first said that'll never work a few years later turn out to be something that all of us can't live without. Right. The norm. yeah, I mean, you know, at some point, Henry Ford said, you know what, driving around in, in a horse and buggy is just not the best way to get from point A to point B. Let's let's try something new. And, you know, at some point in time, somebody came along and said, you know what, I think people might want a computer in their home. And initially, it's was like, oh, why would anybody want a computer in their home? They're, they're so big and clunky, and they don't really do anything. So these ideas need to be allowed to happen. Now, some of them are going to die. Some of them are going to be dumb. And and the market will, will penalize you if, if it's a dumb idea, but the market will also greatly reward you if it's a good idea. And we talked about this a little bit previously with profits and losses. Those are the signals. Entrepreneurs, you're doing a great thing. Keep doing it. We like it. And you're making our life better. Yeah. And we need to allow for that entrepreneurial spirit. And I think America is one of the greatest places in the world that has really embraced that. It is. And uh, with that, we're going to we're going to take a quick pause to close out for the radio show. But hang on, everybody. We're going to be right back. We're going to continue this and close this this economic theory out. There's still some some good juice left some still some meat on the bone. So everybody just hold on. I am your host, Charles Musgrove with Answers That Count. You know where to check us out. We're on we're actually on Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV. We're on YouTube. We're on all your favorite podcasts. So check us out there. Check us out every week here on Answers That Count. We also have a website, Answers That Count. So hold on, everybody. Those that are listening to the radio show, you may want to go check us out and listen to the rest of the show. So we'll be right back. Everybody else, peace. Answers That Count is brought to you by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting needs, visit beanteam.com for more info. You can listen to more episodes of Answers That Count on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Or visit answersthatcount.com. 